right, welcome back to the Thompson to Clark podcast. And Brad, we get to gloat a little bit, not about the Giants or about the professional football teams that we follow, but our alma mater came out of nowhere this year in this weird pandemic 2020 sports season. And they go out and win their divisional championship Again, beating Boise, uh, Boise State, who historically, you know, is a really, really good football school. Oh, my gosh. What, a, was, what an amazing Saturday. That was absolutely insane. And, you know, again, it's we can talk about San Jose State here because without San Jose State, you and I aren't here doing this because right. that's where we met. That's where we came together in the sports department. We used to that's where we trained. That's where we got our, that's, our, that's everything. Uh, yeah. And that, that was the passion right there in the San Jose state sports and calling football games back in the day. Um, got suffering through some really bad football games back in the day, uh, trying to get through like three and a half hours of getting trounced 40 something to 10. Uh, so to see San Jose state go out there and just, you know, demolish defensively their opponents. That was so fun to watch. I was looking at a stat today. So Boise state was held to 233 yards. That was the, the lowest amount of yards that Boise state has been held to all season long. Um, and like you said, Boise state, is a football school. I mean, that's pretty much it. That's what they do. They're known for busting, you know, busting into the bowls that they aren't supposed to be in and doing different things. And San Jose State had never beaten them. I believe they were 0-14 against them going into the game uh, and, and just whooped them around the field. And uh, it was uh, so fun to watch. And now they're on to, uh, to a bowl game against Ball State on uh, New Year's Eve. So that'll be fun, too. 11 o'clock in the morning. Can you drink it on New Year's Eve at 11 <laughs> o'clock in the morning? It's New Year's Eve. Yeah, I think I think you can. I think, uh, I, I think the, 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 you would do it and then maybe hold off for mm-hmm. a few hours before you get back to it. Or when, when, when you were at school. Yeah. Um, so I think you were there probably a year or two, maybe a year before me. I started uh, in 97. I only went there for two years, two and a half years. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Okay. That, that my, my bad memory there, but when, okay. So we're there at the same time. I was even there a year after you had already graduated. So do you, what was the memorable game football, basketball? They, you know, they, they had, the thing where, where they actually went to the NCAAs, that kind of fluky season that they had, but football wise, like what was this? I don't, I can't like there weren't, they weren't good when, when we were there, really, I can remember one specific game that I'll tell the story of in a second, but I was wondering if you had any memories well, of that team. Is it the San Jose state air force game? Is that the one That's you're the talking? game? That's the game. That's the only one that I can remember being a gigantic win for the team. And that was what the final score was 25, 22. It was 1997, right? I gotta look it up now. It, so it, many it had, years. It ago. had to be, not, yeah, it had to be right around that time. Yeah. 19. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm nope. I, I gotta look it up. But anyways, it was a, it was a Saturday night game, right? I think it was Saturday night on ESPN. Uh, they decided to throw in that game. Yeah, it was a 25-22 victory, October 25th, 1997. Yep. That was insane. Yeah, so that they decided to throw it on ESPN2, I think, kind of at the last minute. It was during that week that they decided, and we go, uh-oh. San Jose, you know, uh, Air Force runs this triple option, double option, mm-hmm. all this. I mean, just crazy, and they still run it. Um, they had some, like, really... A hot linebacker or something because all the focus was on him and his uh, if he's going to get drafted or whatever. So San Jose State's clearly the underdog here. Oh, yeah. And there was no chance. Uh, Air Force, uh, I don't know if they had lost at that point in the season. They finished seven and two. Uh, San Jose State finished two and five in the <laughs> conference. So, uh, yeah. So, no, actually, you know what? That was there was only uh, Air Force's second loss of the season. Uh, and San Jose State was 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 bad. I mean, they were very bad. So the fact that they, and, and it was in San Jose and the fact that air force came in is the, the big, uh, favorite. And I believe they were ranked 
25th or 24th in the nation. So taking mm-hmm. down a top 25 team when you're bad too, uh, at home was just awesome. Uh, the crowd was really into that, into it that night. Uh, it was just such a, a fantastic feeling. Uh, and that's kind of what this game felt like times like a hundred <laughs> on yeah. Saturday. And, but the ridiculous thing is, is that uh, now who, who knows if, if not for the pandemic, um, we would have, I would have at least been able to go to a couple of games this year because the team was really good. Um, and you know, just watching that game and just thinking like, wow, it would have been so fun to be there. That kind of sucked about it. That was the thing that sucked about it. Right, exactly. And that, that was kind of hard to do. Um, that was, you know, it gave us a chance to, at least kind of sit back and enjoy the games. Um, I probably, you know, had San Jose state, they, they come to, to UNR here in Reno, uh, every other year. Uh, and I think this game against UNR would have been in San Jose. Uh, that's why it was moved to Vegas cause they couldn't play cause they can play here. Uh, UNR could have played here. No problem. Um, but yeah, so it, it kind of gave it gave people a chance to kind of step back and 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 the nation to actually view San Jose State and see what they're all about. So kind of building off of that, and then a thing that I had seen also is that because of the eligibility rules this year, the weird eligibility rules, uh, all of the players will be able to come back next season. Wow! So they'll so be able to. To, to, to just bring everyone back and, and run it yeah. again. That, that'd be cool. Exactly. Yeah. So that'll be really nice. All right. So my, my memory of that game that you're talking about. Oh, yeah. ESPN comes because the game's on ESPN2. There's a couple of sports anchors that are, are were on ESPN that I can't remember their names now. You know, that's 23 <laughs> years ago. But so that was cool. So we get to meet them. And then basically we spend like all of... I'm guessing the Friday before running cable so that yeah it could go into the trucks and they could get the cameras and they can put the stuff on uh, on the field and the so grunt, the grunt work that's yeah pretty much they would come to colleges and they'd get RTVF and journalism students yep. you know a quick heads up hey the ESPN's coming who wants to pull cable oh and you get a lot of people too and so if you did the cable thing you could actually work the game for ESPN. And so I had the boom mic. Nice. From the end zone to the 20, or uh, so technically the red zone. And so I'm, I'm holding the boom mic like the entire game. And there's a couple shots of me on TV holding, holding the mic, you know, wearing my San Jose State sweatshirt or whatever. But that's my memory of that game because... You know, we, we go into this game, we're like, we start the season off 0-5. We beat UTEP 10-7 to with Air Force coming in. And so we're, we're supposed to get slaughtered. And they, they won that game. And that, I mean, you know, it, it, it is the memory of, of, of school. And look, they, they, were, they were pretty decent, you know, a few years before we got there. Like when Jeff Garcia was there, they had some decent teams. But when I was a kid, we're talking late 80s. They were better than Stanford and Cal, like for like three or four years in a row. Oh, for so sure. I, you know, so so historically, you know, that team ha- had been a lot better than they've been recently, and so hopefully now, you know, w- with the with the current regime, they can get back a little bit to respectability, and and hopefully this is the first step, and you know, we'll 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 get to watch some New Year's Eve football, which would be cool. No, that that's going to be awesome, and and just to put it in perspective too, uh, that year San Jose State had given up. Uh, 48 or more points, one, two, three, four, five times that season. And they had a really hard time stopping the run. Uh, they played against Wisconsin second game of the season. And I remember that. Um, and, uh, Ron Dane was the running back for Wisconsin back then. And they could not stop him. There was no possible way of stopping the guy, and he ran for like 300 yards. So, so to, to go against that Air Force team in '97 was pretty awesome. But, anyways, 
All right, that, that was enough little, San Jose State. Yeah, enough San Jose State for a Giants podcast. <laughs> okay, but so 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 before we get to the conversation, which is going to lead off with a discussion about uh, Buster Posey coming back for this season, uh, I I want to I wanted to let you know about the special drink that I had for oh, today. Yeah. A little bit of a surprise. So, my, Crystal, my wife last couple of years because this is only really our second christmas together uh she has made eggnog and she has a, a recipe where there's some rum in it and there's some bourbon in it and so i told her because we had some over the week and i was like okay we got to save some for my podcast because I, I got to tell Brad about about this boozy eggnog that that we that we're having. So that's what I'm having right now. It's so delicious, but it is it's pretty heady, man. Like there's a lot of stuff in here. <laughs> it's a uh, it it sounds like a a special eggnog. So what do you got in there? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what her recipe is, but I, I threw, I, I know that she, she said, so usually I think it's, it's rum, but she had also added some bourbon. Uh, and then I threw some, you know, some cinnamon and some nutmeg on the top, but you know, this isn't an eggnog where you can just like chug it cause you'll be feeling it <laughs> big time. We have this stuff here in, uh, locally in the Reno area, Frankovich, uh, and it's a local farm or distillery of some sort. And they make this eggnog every year. It's very liquidy. It's not thick. And I think it's so liquidy because it is packed with bourbon and rum and all kinds of other good stuff. And it drinks like water. But then if you have two glasses of this stuff, you're under the table, man. Mm. It's, like you said, it is heated. It is very warm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. So you and I were kind of joking about when, as we're recording this, it's still very early. So what are you yeah. thinking? Well, let's not tell people how early it is. Let's just pretend <laughs> like it's nine o'clock at night. Um, <laughs> I've, I went for the scotch. Um, my brother-in-law, he sent me a special bottle of scotch, one of my favorites. I haven't bought this bottle in like 10 years, but he knows it's one of my favorites. So for Christmas uh, last week, he went ahead and sent um, sent a bottle. He said, hey, you know, uh, what time are you home tomorrow? And I said, well, I'm working from home. I'm home all the time. <laughs> and he goes, okay, between one o'clock and three o'clock, you're going to get a Christmas present delivered from Total Wine. So look for the truck. Woo. Hey, all right, man. I love those Christmas presents. Uh, so fantastic. So the guy pulls up and I grab the bag and I pop, pop it open and it's got uh, a bottle of Highland Park 12 12-year-old Viking Honor Scotch. Um, Highland Park is a little bit on the smokier side of the peats, mm -hmm. which is what I really, really like. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of got that fruitcake uh, smell to it, a little bit of pear, uh, and it goes down super easy. Uh, one of my favorite scotches. I don't drink scotch. I usually get like one bottle of scotch around this time of year, and it would last me about a whole year. Um, and then uh, I still actually have one swig left from a bottle I bought, oh, probably like 11, 12 months ago mm -hmm. so so this one will last me a year although i've already nipped into it quite a bit so it may it's 2020 still so it may go a little bit faster than usual <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh let's talk about buster posey we talked on the last show about uh not knowing or, or I think we expected him to be back, but there was no word yet. And so we were just kind of wondering, like, okay, you know, we think he's going to be back, but is he back? And of course, what usually happens is the, the big story comes out the day after our podcast comes out. So uh, there, was a, there was a nice story that he's ready to go. He watched the, the season uh, last year. Uh, you know, he, he said he was dialed into every game. Obviously, he has a pretty busy life with, with two young twins. So he wasn't able to watch every single pitch, but... He was there. He was he was on it. Uh, he said Crook and Kipe were you know were the best thing to keep him <laughs> to keep him going. Uh, so he's back, and that says a lot because depending on how you look at things, you know, if you if you're looking at war, if Buster technically, well, let's say he was at a one and a half war for the season, the Giants probably make the playoffs. Yeah, and speaking of that, I had actually wrote those numbers down because you looked at his war, 
His worst season in the majors uh, was 1.8. And the Giants' complete catching arsenal, if you want to call it that, last year, their war was 0.1. Yeah, I actually thought it, I was actually worried it was going to be negative. <laughs> no, no, it was very close, <laughs> but it was 0.1. And maybe because, you know, Heinemann and, and uh, Trump got a hold of a couple there uh, in, in some late games um, that kind of pumped it up a little bit. But but you look at that and, and then Buster Posey in seven of his years has been over four. Yeah. And, and the spring he was having last year. Remember how excited we got in spring training? We're like, look at Buster Posey mashing the ball. Spring training last year, he only had 22 at bats, but he was 10 for 22. He hit 455 with one home run. He had 1.206 OPS in spring with four extra base hits. And that's, you know, the new coaching staff, uh, the new hitting staff. That was the first time he got to work with those guys. Um, And then... You know, he had nothing but great things to say about them. He, you know, he had said in the interview too that uh, I'll do anything, I'll do whatever it takes to help the team win, and and that's in the new theory that the Giants have and the new um, training that the Giants catchers have of framing pitches. He said, mm-hmm. I, "I'll take to that too. I have no problem if it helps us win. I I don't have an ego. I put it aside. We just." do what we have to do to win. I mean, he's, he's the team leader and, and the Giants just missing the playoffs last year, having their team leader then for sure they would have been in the playoffs. And that, that's how big uh, of a stature of a guy he is for the San Francisco Giants. And it's so, so nice to have him back next year. So if you look at his contract now, some of this, I'm actually not 100% sure how this is going to work for 2021, depending on how many games they play and what the contracts are going to look like. But in a full season, he's got $21 million on the books for 2021. But then the Giants can buy him out in 2022. And then he's off. He's completely off the books. He has mentioned that he um you know he he doesn't really see, he, you know he really would love to to finish out his career playing for only one team doesn't happen very often and so it makes you wonder what kind of situation they are looking at with him post 2021 i'm sure a lot of it will have to do with the season that he has you know if he is back to what you expect him to be back to then maybe they figure out an extension or something but my worry is that he's not back to what we would have would have expected, and 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 it is a little bit of a swan song. But I don't know how. How do you think that buyout figures into his future with the team? You know, I was thinking about that, and he is such the type of guy, like you said. I mean, in the interview, he was very clear. He would love to play for the Giants the rest of his career. A lot of guys have said that. Um, uh, unfortunately, and we've seen this floated around this offseason, too. If this is Buster's last year with the Giants and they do the buyout the next year for the three million, I mean that's kind of a no-brainer. What is it? Twenty-two million versus three million? I think it's twenty-one. Yeah, twenty-one versus three. I mean that's kind of a no-brainer. No, no, no. You you might be right. You might be right because it probably does go up. I, yeah, I think it escalates just a touch. Um, so twenty-two in his option year or buy him out for three. So so this you know the Giants brass are going to buy him out, probably try to renegotiate. Um, but I, I would love to see this happen. And Posey seems like the type of guy who would go for something like this. But again, I, I you know, I've never been a sports agent. I've never been, <laughs> I've never been the, the a GM of a team other than out of the park baseball. So I know how those <laughs> negotiations go. I'm not very good at them. I usually piss people off. But if, if you could look at Posey and say, look, man, um, let's renegotiate. You're worth 21 this year. We're going to buy you out for three. That's 24. Let's take that 20. Add some more to it. Sign him to like, you know, I don't know, nine, 10 a year for the next three years, 30 million. He'll get more than he was going to get, but he'll get it broken out over three years. Does he do something like that? I don't know. What what does that mean, though, when you have Joy Bart and they they drafted a catcher uh, last year as well in the first round? And 
So does this mean that he is a part-time player? Does this mean he changes positions and, you know, or does it mean that Bart is trade bait because they have a few more years with Buster left? Like that's, that's the interesting thing to me because, you know, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Buster Posey fan. I am a fan of his. I think sometimes the, uh, the Giants fans give him a little bit, uh, more of the benefit of the doubt than they do other players because, uh, you know, he, he did have that MVP season and he was kind of the savior in a sense. But at the same time, um, I, I love the fact that he's on the team. Like he, there's stability there. There's leadership there. You know, he's a, he's a good person, uh, at least the public version of Buster Posey that we get to see. And so I just like the fact that he's on the team. Now, at the same time, when you look at output, when you look at his value, his value as a catcher, as a defensive catcher, was so good that you could actually say, okay, even if his offensive numbers are down, where we really get the value is, is in the way he calls the game and in his defense. You take him out of that spot and you put him at a, let's say, first base position. And now those offensive numbers look a lot worse. And that's kind of what I'm worried about. I I totally hear what you're saying. I get it. I, but I'm 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 the opposite, not the opposite of you, but I am the in the camp of Buster can do no wrong. That's <laughs> that's how I am as a fan for Buster Posey. I, a lot of other guys like you know you're high on belt. The guy drives me crazy sometimes, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's just that's just the way that is. But for Buster Posey, he can strike out with the bases loaded, and I'm like, yeah, he'll get him next time. Don't worry about it. I, well, you know, yeah, I won't, I, I won't I, I'm, analyze I'm a, that. <laughs> yeah. I'm a belt fan, but sort of right. like rebelliously so. Like, it's just like, I, I want to be a you're little bit of a... You're trying to tip the scales. <laughs> yeah. You're, so. trying, you're trying to even it but, out. But, but, you know, I mean, but you get it because... And look, the, the perfect scenario, scenario here is, you know, maybe Buster never gets back to 2012. Yeah. But... He does turn the clock back a few years and he starts hitting with a little bit more power because mm-hmm. uh, he I think he will. He should hit for average at the very least. Now, you know, maybe from uh, he's not going to he's not going to be beating any infield hits out. But, you know, he, he's a he's a smart hitter. He's still he's a he's still a contact hitter. I just, you know, just without the power, he he's he's not. I, I just don't know what he is offensively if he cannot you know, hit, hit for a little bit of power at least. But so at the catcher position, would you take it though, if he could hit two, let's, let's say he gets 120 games behind the plate, maybe 125. If he goes 295 and, and he's going to DH in the American league ballparks. Uh, and then I'll bring up the DH again in a second, but let's say he goes 295, 20 home runs, 80 ribs. Would you take that? Oh yeah. Okay. And, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. I don't, I don't even put that as that would be a lights out comeback season for him. Uh, I, I would put that actually higher a lights out comeback season for him. I, I would say like three fifteen, three twenty, maybe 25 home runs, hundred RBIs. I think that would be a lights out comeback season. I, I see two ninety five, twenty eighty. 2080, as very, very possible for him next year. Um, we, we, as of right now, I think we kind of know the DH isn't going to be there next year in the national league. Mm-hmm. But again, the three, you give him a three year deal at this point, rework the deal knowing that, I mean, the, the DH is going to be back in the national league, right? At some I, point. I, I, I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. I think they're going to negotiate on it this year. And I think it's going to be back in 2022. So if you've got Posey around for that, yes, it takes him out of the defensive uh, mindset. But you got to look at Joey Bart is 24 years old. That was Buster Posey's rookie season, right? 24 years old. Um, or was he 23? It was right in there, 23, 24. Uh, Patrick Bailey, the other catcher that they drafted a few years back, only played rookie ball. Um, again, didn't have a minor league season last year. He's only 21, so he's still a little ways off. Uh, Belt's contract is going to be up to 
Bart go to first base? Mm. We don't know. I, I don't know if he can play first base. We haven't seen that. We haven't talked about that. That hasn't been brought up. Um, does Buster go to first? And then at that point, they have a different first baseman. Uh, Vossler is a first baseman. Um, so can he switch over to first base? Buster and Bart start platooning behind the plate. Um, you know, how's that all going to play out? I think the intangibles that Buster Posey has is you've got to keep this guy around for a couple of more years, especially with a lot of young pitching coming up through the ranks. Uh, the Giants are looking at, you know, Hegel. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce his name quite yet, yet but... Uh, Just call him Tall Sean. Tall Sean. The guy is huge. What is he, 6'11"? <laughs> yeah, 6'11". Jeez. Uh, so, so you got a lot of these guys coming up. Uh, he's, still, he's still got uh, Tyler Beatty to work with coming off the Tommy John. Uh, Tristan Beck is going to be up at some point. So you got all these guys that, you know, you're looking at and and Joey Bart we saw the struggles he had last year so this is this is really that year I mean I'd love to see Buster Posey go past this year his contract is not going to allow that to happen in the way it's it's set out right now um but again, if they can just kind of rework it and make it a three-year deal, you get him to about the 36-year age. And and I think you're golden. I think then at that point, he retires. He's done. He's helped a new pitching staff come in. He's gotten his at-bats. He's been the clubhouse presence. He's, you know, at that point, he's the, 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 the veteran on the club. And I think he's done his job and he can ride off into the sunset. I'm not ready to see him go after this season. So that's why I'm making up this, this scenario that I like that works for me. <laughs> I wonder if he wants to manage hmm. at some point. He seems like too much of a family man. Mm-hmm. I think, I think when he's done with the game, I think he's going to be more of the Will Clark type. Mm. Like to Special be around the ballpark. assistant guy. Absolutely. Loves to be around the ballpark. Loves to hang out. Uh, you know, see the guys, you know, watch him take a little BP and then be able to f- be free to be with his family, which I, I you know, t- I totally understand that. I'm, awesome. a, I'm, yeah, that's how I want to be, you know, yeah, look, like B- Buster can family, afford but. it, right? Like, Absolutely. Oh gosh. Yes. <laughs> and, and even though, even though Will, you know, Will was not in the current era of, of money, but he still made a lot more money than say, Bruce Bochy or whatever, you know, so not, not saying Bochy only managed because, you know, for the paycheck, obviously not, right. but he, he, you know, Will could afford to not do anything because as long as he was smart with his money, cause he, you know, he probably made, I don't know, 20 million or 25 million or, or something, maybe even more than that. When, when he signed that Rangers contract, uh, what, what was that Rangers contract for? You know, I, I don't remember, but it was a big one. And I, but I remember it also being affordable too. And I was like, why can't the Giants do that? <laughs> it was something like four, four a year, maybe five a year. Uh, and I was thinking, God, the Giants could have pulled that off. No, five years, 30 million. So we'll probably make okay. close to 50 million in his career. So yeah, yeah, he can totally afford it. That's what Buster Posey makes in two years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Buster's like, ah. Uh, I, 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 get, I get that much money just for uh, signing the dotted line. That's right. But he lives in the, he lives in California and lives in San Francisco. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like half your paycheck right there. Exactly. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, let's, let's move along. I'm sure we'll re, re, we'll revisit the Buster conversation many times. Oh yeah. Over 2021 as we do this show. I wanted to mention some signings. These signings, I wouldn't say that, they were your lead story on ESPN or anything on SportsCenter. Why not? But they, they were, you know, the Giants are, are making moves, which on the outside, you know, for us, uh, you know, I think my, my thing is just like, I just really, I'm just going to go with what Zadie says, because he's just so much smarter than me. But, <laughs> you know, they, 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 uh, they signed some arms. They signed uh, one, one that we missed last week was... Uh, is it is it Weisler or Whistler? I believe it's Whistler, and the only th- reason I think it's Whistler is because Baggerly made a Whistler's mother's joke <laughs> when he wrote the article about him. So that's how I think it's Matt Whistler. <laughs> so Whistler on the eighth, the Giants signed him. So almost two weeks ago, and then right, of course, after we finished our our show, Anthony. 
You're going to have to help me with this one. De Sclafani? De Sclafini. De Sclafini. Yes. Okay. Uh, and, and he is a... He is is an, a starter who had a bad year in no, sorry, the uh, Desclafani. 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 Okay. There you go. Okay, so I got it right. Who he he had he had a bad year in in this crazy season, but the previous year uh, w- was pretty good and and had you know I think the comparison that I saw made was like okay, whose line is this Trevor Bauer or Desclafani? And it was like <laughs> oh, they're like the same. So you know. Not not saying he's going to be Trevor Bauer, right? But you know he can he strikes guys out when he's on, um, you know, and that, that's what they look for. They they look at everyone. That's who that's what everyone looks for. Guys, you know, pitchers who can miss bats. And then today, um, they just signed somebody, uh, uh, John Brebia. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, I'll go, with, I'll go with that. Let's go with Brebia. Brebia. <laughs> <laughs> so. So Brebia, the interesting thing about Brebia is uh, one-year deal, but he's probably going to miss about half of the season because he's coming back from Tommy John. But a reliever who in uh, in 2019 had a 10.8 per nine uh, strikeouts per per inning ratio. Uh, and and look, it sort of fits the mold with the rest of these guys that everyone's going after, right? Big arm, can can they miss bats? And uh, these, these you know these signings, I think, are probably a little bit under the radar, but because of what we talked about on the last several shows, which is the Giants have created this pitching, uh, this coaching staff from the pitching side where they're able to grab guys and just improve them or get them back to what they were, at least that's the reputation. And so you got three guys here who I'm sure the, the staff is, is the, the coaching staff is like, just like, you know, putting their hands together and warming up <laughs> going like, all right, we, we got some, we got some clay here that we're going to mold. Well, they did. Yeah. And they needed to kind of, up the velocity of the bullpen, should we say? Because that is when you when you look at the teams that were in the playoffs that went far, they had guys that would come in and throw like ninety five to hundred. You got to miss those bats. I mean, if you're not missing bats in this day and age of baseball, the ball's going out of the ballpark. I mean, with launch angles and everything else, it's it's going out of the ballpark. So the new cool fashion right now is the fastball slider combo. Mm-hmm. And that's what Whistler did over the years. He had to change up at a curveball and he kind of phased those out. So here's a really cool stat that they've been writing about. Uh, a lot of the Giants writers have been throwing in there. Um, Whistler has thrown 83.4% of the times he's thrown a slider. Mm. And and the number th- and the, so that led the major leagues. Uh, the number three guy is a guy you've heard of, Sergio Romo, a teammate of Whistler's last year. Romo threw a slider sixty four point six percent of the time, so almost twenty percent more of the time Whistler has thrown a slider. I think he had one inning he came into against the Red Sox last year during the regular season. He threw thirty two pitches. 29 of those pitches were sliders. So it's 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 kind of baffling to know that you, he can pitch that well when the batters know that it's coming. So that's the crazy part. And and I always like to look at this one. When you see a guy who throws a lot of junk, a lot of off-speed stuff, a lot of uh, crazy stuff that could go in the dirt, I like to look at wild pitches because I like to see, well, where's this guy's control at? So... Whistler in his career has 414 innings pitched and only 12 wild pitches in those 414 innings. Brebia is also another fastball slider machine. Um, and he has pitched in his career 175 innings. He only has three wild pitches. So these are guys that can control their slider. It's not like they're just going up there and just tossing it up there like Romo every now and then would frisbee <laughs> one. And you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's going out of the yard. <laughs> <laughs> but these guys, if you watch the the 
the film on them, they're throwing it, you know, down and, and these things break hard too. These aren't the, the old sliders that you're used to. These are really hard sliders that come up to the plate looking like, like fastballs or off speed pitches and it's just drop off the table. So uh, to have two guys like that in the bullpen that can miss bats, I think that's what the giants kind of needed last year. As you saw late in mm-hmm. the game, giving up all those home runs and, and stuff, it was getting, getting pretty tiring. All right, so uh, we will, you know, we're, we're going to talk about the roster, uh, you know, probably just about every show. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. But interesting, just, you know, th- there's a, the Giants have a type, you know. Well, it, it, if they were a team that was, you know, dating, they, they <laughs> definitely have a type. <laughs> well, and with Dave Scafani, the interesting thing, too, is how are the Giants going to move forward with, with this? Because now their rotation rotation right now is Gossman, Cueto, maybe Logan Webb, Scafani, and Tyler Beattie coming off Tommy John surgery. So how long is he going to go? They're still looking for other starting pitchers. All those guys are right-handers. Their, their lefties last year, Suarez, Smiley, and Tyler Anderson are all gone. Suarez yeah. is going to sign in uh, Korea, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's pretty close to signing. Smiley's gone to the Braves and Anderson. I don't think Anderson has signed yet with anybody, um, but he won't be coming back. So you look at, you got to look at, they don't have any lefties. We're so, sure he's not coming back? Uh, I'm pretty sure he's not going to come back. I mean, they. it's hard to say. I mean, Desclafani De was $6 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, they declined to go to arbitration with Anderson. Anderson was going to get around four million, I hmm. think, uh, somewhere in there. So you have to look at that and say, well, they they spent two million more for somebody, but a right-hander. So, you know, it's, it's a possibility they bring him back. I mean, did Anderson like his time here? Uh, I know that's one of the reasons that Desclafani signed with the Giants because he really, really wanted to come to the Giants because he saw what they were doing with pitchers who were, you know, coming off of injuries, coming off of bad seasons, um, and, and try to get them right to get their stock back up again. So, uh, I mean, Tyler, Tyler Anderson... He could look and say, you know what? I'll do one more year with you guys. You guys know what you're doing. So it's it's possible. They're going to need like six or seven starters to get through a season for sure. All right. Last two things we wanted to talk about. Something we didn't get to last week, which was uh, the Cleveland Indians mm. decision to change the uh, the nickname of the team. And then also... We're going to bring it back for Christmas. Last week, we talked about Christmas albums, and this time we're going to talk Christmas movies. So before we get to our Christmas movies, let's talk about the Cleveland Indians. So they decided that uh, at some point, probably in 2022, they're going to change the nickname, No More Indians, and uh, they're going to change it to something else. And I know that some people are wondering Okay, like there are some, you know, the the Redskins obviously is is a whole different thing. That that that's you know that that's a rough one for all all the things that that probably come into your brain when you hear that name. The Indians is a, a, a name of a group of people. So similarly, I've always sort of wondered about that, but it is also not sort of derogatory in the same way that Washington is. But uh, at the same time, the Indians. The, uh, I guess I would say the people who have to make that decision, I'm sure are talking to American Indian tribes and saying, and they've, they've gotten feedback probably for years and years and years. And it is finally time to make this change. So I'm a hundred percent behind it, even though, you know, the, the, the Cleveland Indians in of itself, they, they've been as far as I've been watching, listening, historically paying attention to baseball, they've always been a thing. So that'll be kind of something to get used to. But what are your thoughts on them changing the name? And do you have a name that you think would actually be a good nickname for the the, the Cleveland franchise? I do. And I have the best name. And if they don't go with this name, <clears throat> there's I'm, I'm going to protest. I'll tell you that, but let's get, so first off, so uh, you remember the mascot, Chief yes. Wahoo. Okay. Yes. That had to go. Yes. I mean, that was, 
that was awful. And, and for years and years and years, being a, a closet Indians fan, closet tribe fan, that was my American League team. I had a lot of family from the Cleveland, Ohio area. So, and then it solidified my fandom with the uh, 1989 movie Major League. You mm-hmm. know, 16 years old, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Uh, this movie about this horrible, horrible team. It was hilarious. It was so much fun. Um, so I just, you know, hooked on to the Indians and that was my, my American league team. I always kind of pulled for them. Uh, but that, and, and I wore the chief Wahoo, you know, the jacket, I had the hat and the shirt and everything. And then, and then as time went on and I grew up and you realize this is not right. It's mm-hmm. not, it's a caricature, horrible caricature of, of, uh, uh, you know, a group of people that just, it just shouldn't be there. So, uh, around, I believe in 2018, they announced that chief Wahoo was going to have one last season. So that's gone. So now they've just had the C for Cleveland on, on their hats and, and uniforms for the past couple of seasons. So chief Wahoo was gone. Um, changing the name Indians. I think it was just, I think it was kind of more than anything at probably harken back to Chief Wahoo. And I think they wanted to get even further and clearer mm-hmm. away from that. Uh, and I have no problem with it. I, I, th- I think that's good. I, that's, you know, if, if anybody's offended by it, um, by that logo, by that name, uh, I don't have, I, it doesn't offend me because I am not uh, you know, a Native American, uh, but I totally respect and completely agree with if, 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 if even one person is offended by it, it probably shouldn't be there and for good reason. Right. Um, now, that being said, they need a new name. Everybody's kind of leaning towards the Cleveland Spiders. Uh, the Cleveland Spiders was a National League team from 1889 to 1899. Um, and so everybody kind of wants that throwback to the original Cleveland team. So I think that's probably where they're going to go, but they really need to adopt the name, the Cleveland wild things. (laughs) If, if they don't go with that, they're missing a gigantic, uh, marketing, uh, opportunity and, and it's going to pass them. I'm going to be very upset because they've already got the logo, right? The screaming baseball. They need to get that. I don't know who owns that. That's uh, was that Paramount Pictures, I think. Yeah. So yeah. they need to get a hold of Paramount Pictures and say, what do you want for it? We'll, we'll buy that screaming baseball with the Mohawk logo. We will be the Cleveland Wild Things. Let's go forward. I mean, you know, Maybe Charlie Sheen kind of ruined that for everybody when he went off on his tiger blood tangent. Mm-hmm. But but either way, I would love to see the Cleveland Wild things. Yeah, I, I do wonder if the reason why, you know, one of the executives is like, we're not going to do this is because Charlie Sheen is <laughs> kind of a joke now. I, I do wonder if he kind of ruined it, right? Because I know. think he did. I think he did. Because you can't call it what the the Cleveland Roger Dorns. I mean, that's not <laughs> right. I mean, that you can't go with that. So, you know, the Cleveland White Walls, right? Remember that joke at the beginning of the movie, the White oh, Walls. Yeah. You can yeah, yeah. you can call them the the Willie Mays Hayes. <laughs> yeah. And so you know, you mentioned the spiders. It seems like that's what like the city. You know, the 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 fans of the the Indians the current Indian team, they're kind of lean in that way yeah. uh, because of the history. Like you said, you know, there's this whole thing about the rock and roll hall of fame. How do you, how do you possibly, you know, include that in there? I don't think any of that stuff really works. Yeah. Um, there's the Negro league team, uh, the Buckeyes, right? I think that's cool, but I don't, and obviously you have the Ohio state, but I don't know if you, do anything that reminds you of a segregated baseball league. And I think that's the negative for that, though. It'd be a great ode to something that is, you know, historical. Uh, but I, I don't know if they would do that. You know, it's like, Oh yeah, let's remind everybody that we had segregated baseball by naming it after the Negro league team. Exactly. And, and I don't think you can go from being the Indians to being the Buckeyes. I, I, I don't think you're taking a step forward at that yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you are taking a step backwards by calling them the spiders, but the spiders are a very, uh, I mean, that's, that's just a, a, a 
a name, uh, a, an animal nickname for a team. I mean, we see that everywhere. That, that's everywhere. So that's okay that you can do that. But, but again, got to go with the wild things, man, because if with, without that movie, I don't know if Cleveland, if the Indians have even that many fans, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like without that movie, I don't know if people, uh, you know, would adopt them so much as the lovable losers. I think at that point they would, without that movie, they would just be the losers. I mean, you know, that, that movie really helped kind of propel the city of Cleveland and their baseball lore. Uh, so I'd, uh, I'd love to see that. I don't think they're going to do it, but I think that would be awesome. All right. So let's get to the, the nitty gritty here with the end of this show. We're going to, uh, Christmas as of this recording Christmas is just four days away and uh, let's talk about Christmas movies now you are as we saw in the last episode or as we heard you are a gigantic Christmas music fan yes. are you as big of a Christmas movies fan I am. Uh, I love the Christmas specials. Uh, there are a certain a certain number of movies that I like. You can't go wrong with the also just throwing on the really bad Lifetime Christmas movies. Um, those are fantastic, especially like we talked about before. You got to throw Mario Lopez into one that Feliz Navidad. We, my wife and I watched that, laughed through the whole thing. It's, probably, it's not supposed to be a funny. He's in a movie right now playing Colonel Sanders. Is that true? Yes, we watched that yesterday morning. <laughs> it's a 15-minute commercial, basically, for Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> and he plays the young Harlan Sanders, who has a, uh, you know, a crush on this, uh, this gal who lives in a big mansion, and he's the cook there. And uh, if you get a chance to watch it, it's only 15 minutes long. Oh, my and It's God. absolutely hilarious. It's got, uh, there's a murder plot in it. There's all kinds of fantastic things. We we cracked up. It was it was pretty funny. Fifteen minutes. They put a little uh, gray in his hair too, make him look like the older, you know, like a, like he's heading his way into turn into Colonel Sanders. Mm -hmm. so it's like a prequel. I don't know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> can't admit. I I can't believe I admitted that I just watched that, but my wife really wanted to see it. I'll leave it at that. Uh, so, anyways, <laughs> kicking off the Christmas movies, <laughs> I went with three, and I have my wild card, and then we, we threw in like a Christmas special, so we'll blast okay. through this. I don't okay. know, yeah, you know. So, number three on my list is a Christmas Carol, uh, absolute classic. Now, I chose the 1951 version, not the original 1938. So, I went with the 51 version. Uh, Alistair Sim and Michael Hordern uh, uh, are stars in that one, and my. Michael Hordern plays Jacob Marley, and it is the creepiest thing I have ever seen in any kind of movie when um, Jacob Marley confronts Alistair Sim uh, at night in this darkened mansion the first time he comes to him to tell him that he's going to be visited by the three Christmas spirits. Mm -hmm. It is very scary. <laughs> it is super creepy. And I think that's why I like that movie so much, but it's just well acted all around. So the, this is the thing is that and, and I think it showed in the albums that you chose, which is you do go back to the classics and you do go back to years and years and years of films because my, most of mine are, or I would say all of mine are, are pretty modern because when I think, and look, my dad is going to love your list because he's always trying to get us to watch. Like <laughs> well, that's really the oldest old. movie I've got. Okay. After that, well, it's like 1989 and above. So. Okay. Okay. But, um, you know, like, like there's the, the there'll be a movie and then it's in black and white and, and you'll be like, uh, are we still watching black and white movies? Like it's 2020, but <laughs> certain movies are our classics, like you said, and, and, and yeah, you do watch them. But so just, just so people know, none of my, none of mine are, are classics <laughs> well, per se. My DVR is full of black and white movies from Turner classic movies, just so you know. And when it, and when there's nothing on and I need something on in the background, I turn it to Turner Classic Movies. I, I love that. And I went to film school. That's where yeah, I totally. was before radio, television, and film at San Jose State. So I've just, I have a love for cinema and just kind of the way things are made. Uh, so anyways, that's why, yeah. And I'm old. That's <laughs> okay, so I, my, my number three 
is an interesting pick because I'm trying to figure out, you know, we didn't really define what a Christmas movie was. Uh, there are themes where, where movies, you know, there's a movie uh, about, and then Christmas is sort of involved. So I don't know where this fits on your scale, but, um, I chose love actually, which is more of like a, more of like a romantic kind of film than it is about necessarily Christmas, though the setting is definitely in Christmas. I love Hugh Grant, even after the Desiree situation. Um, I just find him to be so funny and so charming. So I dig him a lot. Um, But the way that they sort of weave in every story into this bigger story, I really get a kick out of that when when movies or or TV can do that. Uh, And it just makes me like it it, it it just kind of has a good feeling at the end. So I, I dig that movie. I've seen it a couple different times, but I realized when I was talking to my wife earlier when we watched it like a couple weeks ago, I was like, you know what? I've seen like several pieces of this movie like a few times, but I don't think I ever sat through it once all the way through until we just watch it for whatever reason. Like I would, there was like, I just remember all of the pieces and I was like, I think this is the first time I sat all the way through it. So that is number three on my list. We were going to, you know, and I do consider, I can see, here's what I consider a Christmas movie. Is there any scene with Christmas in it? Yes. <laughs> that's a Christmas movie. It doesn't take much because, you know, it, otherwise you're stuck to like five yeah, to 10 movies yeah. and that's it. So I don't think this is on your list. I don't, actually, I don't, it's not and it's not that good of a movie. But ha, did you guys ever watch The Holiday? You know, that one we have not watched and we were about to watch Love Actually last night, but then it got late and I looked at the runtime and I was like, eee. Yeah, it's like a two two hour movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't think I was going to be able to stay awake, but The Holiday is another one that is actually on our list uh, for this holiday season, but I don't know if we're going to get to it, but I would love to see it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's worth watching. It's not a great movie in any way, but it's, you know, it's got some moments and it's kind of got some fun, like a fun storyline around movies in general, which is kind of cool. And it's got Jack Black. Yeah, Jack Black is cool. So, Jack Black, yeah, I'm, I'm all good with Jack yeah, Black. Yeah, I'll watch it then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm all good with Jack Black. I mean, after... Um, uh, School of Rock, like oh, how can God. you how can you not? School of Rock, the kids love that movie. I I love it too. It's awesome. So my number two, and again, loosely based Christmas movie. This one is a two holiday movie. Uh, number two on my list it has a big, huge place in our home all year round, for that matter, is The Nightmare Before Christmas mm. uh, from 1993, the Tim Burton stop action animation movie. Uh, I saw that in the theater when it came out and really fell in love with it. I was 20 years old. I was like, you know, getting into film and filmmaking. I was like, this is the most fantastic thing I've ever seen. Creepy, weird. Um, and then since then, it's just grown. I mean, it, was, it didn't do well in the theater, but it is now a cult classic. Um, we start watching it around October. We watch it uh, pretty much anytime it's on TV. We have the Blu-ray. We have it digitally. I mean, we've got it every way you can imagine. Uh, the soundtrack track. We have it on CD. We have it on record. Um, my wife and I went to Disneyland, uh, for our honeymoon. Cause right after, after September 11th, it was in October. Um, we were going to go to Disney world. We just couldn't make it because of all the travel and everything else. And we're like, we're not doing that. So we went down to Disneyland, had no idea that they were doing the first haunted mansion holiday. And that's where they take the haunted mansion at Disneyland overlay it with the nightmare before Christmas. And if you've never seen that, do yourself a favor. It goes between October, actually September now and January. And it is so freaking cool. Uh, you go through and you got Jack Skellington and the whole nightmare before Christmas theme. So, so anyways, that's number two on my list. We watched that probably four times during the Christmas and, and, and Halloween season. All right. So number two, and it kind of pains me to choose this one, not because I don't think it's a good movie. It's a fun movie, but I have this thing with um, movies in which grown adults sort of play um childish characters (laughs) and so you probably know where i'm going with this i know where you're going will ferrell's elf now will ferrell's will ferrell like you know what you're gonna get with him 
the character that I actually like the best in that movie is a uh, Zoe Deschanel's character. Yeah. Now, if you if you are a fan of Zoe Deschanel, you know her from Elf. Um, you know her from Almost Famous, which is uh, uh, you know, I've I've done a lot of research on that film, and and I just I just love that film just in sort of the way that it was made. And then obviously she was in the the New Girl series and other things. And so uh, I, I just found her character to be pretty cool, and I, I, I I'm, I'm a fan of hers. So uh, if you can handle Will Ferrell, which I think most people can, because you know coming from Saturday Night Live, he did become a big star outside of Saturday Night Live. I find that you know so, sometimes Adam Sandler will do the same thing where he play does the baby talk and stuff, <laughs> and it kind of grates my nerves a little bit. But there are still funny moments in in that where it's it's not a silly movie just for the sake of being a silly movie it is actually a silly movie for the sake of being like kind of smart at the same time so i I dig elf you know and i and i almost put that on my list but i thought you know what i've seen that way too many times i think and i really love it it is a fantastic movie my wife and i just watched it last night the kids were at the grandparents i had it on while i was building a shelving unit or something and and so i was like you know what this is a such a classic and the music in it is fantastic because they use the sinatra louis prima dean martin era of music during that move during that movie so it's really really cool and i do love uh, zoe deschanel she is a fantastic actress a beautiful singer uh just can knock it out of the park with any song um but that, that's a great choice i didn't put it on my list i don't know why i i struggled with the other ones i think yeah we were only picking three so there's gonna be a lot of things yeah, that we held off for sure and number one my number one it is an absolute classic uh, came out my junior year of high school in 1989. Uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. You can, yeah, we got, we got the same yeah, number one. We got this. Okay, sure. good. For sure. You can't. You kind of can't go wrong with that one. I didn't know if you were going to go your number one. Um, I didn't know if you were a uh, Christmas Story guy. <laughs> That's kind of funny. You know, I I'm, like I'm actually glad you movie. brought that up because yeah, okay, okay. So, uh, Crystal, very much like you. Is and I'm not, I I like Christmas as well, but I don't like Christmas as much as you and Crystal like Christmas. Like the like like I, I do enjoy it, but you guys like like it like at another level. Yeah, and I, and I love that. Uh, like I I get a, I get a really big kick out of it. And so her thing is, uh, you know, she has to watch these same movies every year around Christmas time. Um, to, you know, to, to get in the spirit. And, and so one movie that I've never watched that I've just realized, uh, last week that I never watched was Scrooge. And we're going to try and watch that pretty oh, soon. That's a great one. So she has, like I said, she has this thing where she's got to watch all the same movies. So, uh, you know, we're renting cause some, some of them are on Netflix, some of them aren't. And so we're like renting these and I'm just like, look, are you going to watch these every year? We might as well just buy them yeah. on my iTunes account <laughs> right. so that, you know, so that we just have them. So, you know, that's what we're doing now. So we, we, you know, we, we bought the last few movies, but you mentioned a Christmas story and that's one of the movies where when I was a kid, there were certain scenes that I was kind of maybe embarrassed about or uncomfortable with. So it kind of just, it just ruined the movie for me in general. And I never really watched, would watch the whole thing, but there was a live action, like sort of Broadway version of it that came out like two or three years ago. Maya Rudolph is in it. uh, uh, Matthew Broderick is in it. Didn't they put that on channel four? Something like NBC or something. Yeah, it was, it was definitely up for TV made for TV. And so we, when we, we bought it uh, on, on iTunes and so we watched it and I'm watching, I'm going like, okay, this is not necessary in any single possible way, but it's, so, it's sort of cute. It's, it's like, you know, if you like Broadway stuff, it's a musical, but I think, I, I think what happened is they took Christmas story to Broadway. And so then they, they created a version of it for Broadway. And then that's the version that they put on the Christmas special on television. So it's like what it's, I don't know if it's like, the, I don't think it's the same actors because there's actual you know, my, my Rudolph is in it. And I, I don't think she was in the Broadway version. So it's good. It, like I said, it, it's cute. 
it's completely unnecessary but for that story like it, it's it's totally fine yeah and it's funny too because that one came out in the 80s i think and it harkens back to the 50s but it just didn't i i don't connect with it as much as a lot of people do but christmas vacation it came out in 89 i was a junior in high school that one i connect with because i was 16 years old i was working at toys r us on winchester boulevard um for my for my winter job on my winter break and i remember one night that we found out my buddy and i from high school we found out we were about to get laid off because it was getting towards christmas and the day after christmas they were going to lay everybody off because we were the christmas help so we found out that night we were really bummed and and we closed at like 11 o'clock and and working at toys r us back in the 80s during Christmas was an absolute nightmare. There was no Amazon. <laughs> there was no, I mean, it was the mall and it was Toys R Us and Kitty World and a couple of those other places, but that was it. So the place was packed 24 seven. People were looking for the Batman toys because Batman, the movie had come out that year. And so we were just working ourselves to death. So we said, hey, let's go over and watch this new movie that just came out of this Christmas vacation. Oh, okay, cool. So we we ended up, Hopping in our car, and there was like an 11.30 showing, drove over to the theater and watched this movie, and I fell in love immediately, and I've watched it uh, at least 100 times since. And so that one, as a matter of fact, tonight, we're going to introduce the children to it for the first time. They're 14 and 12. It's time. It's time for them to watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So we're hitting that tonight. That's my number one. And that's your number one. Yeah, and you get you get um, a pre-Seinfeld Julia Louis-Dreyfus yeah. in action, which is always great. You get to see, you know, Chevy Chase still in his prime. He doesn't stay in that prime for, for much longer than, than post-Christmas right. uh, Vacation. He's soon kind of a little bit of a washed Chevy Chase, including that TV, that, that uh, what was that talk show that he tried to do for Fox or whatever? <laughs> yeah, the, the Chevy Chase talk show. I think yeah. that might have been what it was called. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, just just classic bits and uh, Randy Quaid and... Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah Before good, he went off the deep end. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just get really, really good, really good stuff. And it. I think the thing that's most impressive about that movie is it hits the theme perfectly, right? It is oh, actually yeah. about Christmas. Yes, it's about dysfunctional family. It's about, uh, you know, the hopes and dreams of getting this Christmas bonus. It's about, you know, the people showing up at your house. You don't necessarily want to show up at your house for Christmas, but they're there. Uh, it just harkens back to all those feelings of this is a family Christmas. This is what it's all about. So, yeah, I love that. Do you want to hit the wild card? Do you have a wild card? Go for card? it. No, go for it. You go. I, I threw in a wild card. This is, again, is it a Christmas movie? I don't know. Happens around Christmas. I don't know if many people have ever seen this movie besides me, but uh, Trapped in Paradise Whoa. from 1994, Nick Cage, John Lovitz, and Dana Carvey. It is not the greatest movie, <laughs> but it is really funny in parts, especially if you watch it multiple times. Um, it was written and directed by George Gallo. Do you know that name? Mm -mm. He is the writer of the very first Bad Boys movie. Oh, wow. He created the Bad Boys characters. So from then on, all the Bad Boys movies, the characters and the story are credited to George Gallo. Um, this, he was not a great director. He didn't direct many films. This was one of them. Uh, the other one that is notable that you might have recognized him directing was, remember the movie Double Take with Orlando Jones and Eddie Griffin? Oh, wow. Yeah, not many people remember that movie. Well, that not as many one of people will remember or, or Orlando Jones. <laughs> exactly. That was his other big directed movie. But he, so he wrote Bad Boys and the Midnight Run movie. I don't know if you remember that one. Mm -hmm. with, uh, Charles Grodin and oh, yeah. Robert De Niro. Yeah. So he wrote that one as well. He's a great writer, writes wonderful characters and directed this movie, did a good job with it. But uh, it just kind of takes you on this bank robbery story where these three brothers, Nick Cage, John Lovett, Dana Carvey, rob a bank in this little town called Paradise, and they can't get out of it because of a snowstorm, so they have to kind of blend in. So it's it's a really, really funny movie. Uh, again, especially if you watch it more than once, it's a really funny movie. But that's my wild card. I love watching that one every year. So my work did a poll on Christmas movies, and number one 
was Home Alone. Where do you Ooh. sit with Home Alone? I I don't sit with Home Alone. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm kind <laughs> what of year did boy. that come out? 1990. 90. I took a uh, my friend Harveen. You know Harveen. Uh-huh. Harveen and I took uh, two girls on a double date. I think we were at that point of probably close to seniors in high school. We took out two girls on a double date. They thought these two girls thought it was the absolute funniest movie they'd ever seen. And the funniest thing. And to the point where they were actually on the ground of the theater <laughs> laughing because they thought it was so funny. I did not, Harvey and I did not find it that funny. Yeah. Um, and then, so I finally watched it with my family. I, this is the, the first time I had seen it since 1990. We watched it about two or three weeks ago. I still did not find it funny. Yeah. <laughs> I tried really hard to find it funny, but I did not find it funny. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin, you know, he had a, uh, he, he had a bit of a run there. Uh, poor Joe Pesci. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, I think, uh, I think you had to be a specific age at that time yes. to think yeah. that that movie was really good. Yeah. And we were probably, I was, I, I, I may have been, maybe the right age but i still didn't really love it and you were probably a little bit too old it's like the same reason like when i watched yeah. the sandlot like major league and bull durham and eight men out and field of dreams are my baseball movies and people who are younger than me the sandlot is their baseball movie exactly and 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 when it comes to slapstick you leave it to like laurel and hardy and and the three stooges i mean they got that covered they got slapstick you don't need macaulay calkin doing it and, and, and we'll end this here but that just reminded me we're gonna have to give our like baseball movie countdown oh god yes well <laughs> let's do that at the beginning of the year <laughs> yeah yeah that'll be a good one <laughs> all right so um so we're gonna get out of here i hope everybody has a, a, a merry christmas has a great holiday uh, i hope people are as safe as humanly possible uh but like brad said on a on a podcast a few weeks ago his his very wise wife was like look people are human um and you know at, at the end of the day you know we're all gonna figure out how to get through this pandemic but uh you know we'll, we'll just be as disciplined as you can and and t be safe take care of your family and hopefully you know 2021 will uh, will be a, a better year for us though we'll be back next monday on the 28th to record You'll probably hear it on the next day on the Tuesday. But uh, for myself uh, and Brad, we will see you when we see you. Peace out. Peace.